testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony.
whatever whatever baggage you walked in with this morning I just pray right now that it falls to the floor whatever you walked in with that's been weighing you down that's been trying to you away from the progress that you've made with walking with the Lord. We just, we just pray over you right now that it falls to the floor because in him you are free. I say 
love to connect with you, whether you're on campus or online. If you're watching online, say hi in the comments so we know you're here. Or fill out our connection card or leave a prayer request on our website at ccanaheim.com. You can also give online through our website at ccanaheim.com donate or by texting ccanaheim to 77977. We also have boxes located at the back of the auditorium for those who would like to give right here on campus. Here are a few things that you won't want to miss. Snuggle Day helps our at-risk and foster youth during this season. To participate, please bring a stuffed animal along with a small value gift card to the lobby table, the Welcome Center, or the church office by this Tuesday. Our all-church Christmas party is Wednesday, December 15th at 7 p.m. It's a night of fun for everyone, so save the date. The ladies' Christmas tea is Friday, December 10th at 7 p.m. Tickets can be purchased at the lobby table after service or online for this impacting night catered by Portos. Our children's Christmas musical, The Great Late Potentate, is Sunday, December 12th at 6 p.m. This year's musical is a fun and entertaining reminder that the real gift of Christmas is Jesus. If you're new to the Cornerstone or haven't had a chance to meet our pastors, please stop by the Overflow Room after service today to say hi and grab a gift and snacks. Grief Share Surviving the Holidays is Thursday, December 16th at 6.30 p.m. for those who are grieving the loss of a loved one. Registration is available online. Our Christmas celebration service is Sunday, December 19th at our 9 or 10.45 a.m. service. It's a big celebration that you won't want to miss. And our annual Christmas Eve service is Friday, December 24th at 6 p.m. Come celebrate the true meaning of Christmas with our church family. Visit our website at ccanaheim.com for more information on events and ministries. All right, good morning, family. I'm praying that all of you had a great Thanksgiving, maybe too much of a good Thanksgiving. But we are so grateful. But I am here this morning to give you a quick update on our Boxes of Love ministry. I want to say a big thank you just on the generosity of our church and all of you who provided a box. 
Um, all that was was an opportunity to provide a, a family or a, a, you know, with a meal, a family meal. Each box fed about 10 to 12 people. And because of your generosity, just this, so far, we fed over 800 people just in that one box of love ministry opportunity. But we had a little update for you. We had a team that went out to the needy community in our area, and they physically passed out those boxes um, looking. The Bible says this, the kindness of the Lord leads us to what? Repentance, right? And we just had an incredible response. And I've asked some of our team members to give you a little kind of an update, uh, maybe a little plug to join us next time um, as we go out into the community to sharing God's love. And so, Mike, once you guys come on over, don't be shy. Um, why don't you kind of share a little bit about an update, what happened on Thanksgiving morning? Thanks, Joe. Well, I'll take care of the plug because uh, what, was on, what was on my heart uh, this morning when Joe asked to share is um, just a genuine and sincere um, encouragement to anyone that hasn't participated in a Team Hope uh, outreach or an uh, evangelical event um, or evangelism event here with the Cornerstone this last year, fix that. Uh, increase that batting average. Don't let another year go by. Uh, obviously, as we know, we're the hands and feet of Christ Church here on earth, but there's blessing in it. There's a filling of the soul um, that I think we can all testify uh, occurs when you take a step out in faith and you see and witness our living God prepare hearts for your arrival and uh, for your testimony. And that's what we saw on uh, Thursday morning. Um, just to set the stage real quick for Calvin, there was one particular door that we knocked on, and it was an uh, elderly Hispanic uh, woman. And uh, uh, I didn't speak Spanish, and the team I was with didn't speak Spanish, and so she you know, had no idea what we wanted. But she saw the box of food, and uh, her eyes lit up. I mean, it literally looked like someone stepped on her foot. She was, eyes got so big. But she didn't know what it was all about. And uh, we didn't know what she was saying. She didn't know what we were saying. But as soon as she heard the word Christo, everything changed. Christ. She knew what that meant. And, uh, and it was clear that she wanted more. She wanted to know more. And uh, this led to uh, just an awesome extended period of prayer with her and her family. And I'll let Calvin tell you about that. Yeah. Um, she, her name was Virginia and Lucia. They were a mother-daughter in a single home, and they were all staying together. And her mother was actually 110 years old. She's a very old woman, but she was still kicking and still going along just like crazy. Her daughter was actually taking care of her. She was laying in bed. She couldn't stand. She couldn't walk unless she was helped. So her daughter actually asked us to come in and pray with her because as soon as we explained that we were from the Cornerstone Church in Anaheim, they're like, oh my goodness, can you please pray for us? Can you please just come into our family and please just give us a blessing? And it was amazing because since I was the only Spanish speaker there, <laughs> I kind of understood that what, what was going on and the fact that they always wanted, they had that desire just to come to church, but it was really hard for them. So those outreach events that we all get to go out to and get to go to the people that don't always have a chance to come to church, whether it's because it's difficult or just because they don't have a mode of transportation. It was really amazing and truly a blessing to be the hands and feet of God to just go out and pray for someone else that really needed it. So, yeah, that's what happened in that house. <laughs> I just want to say that it was an honor and a privilege to serve in this outreach, first and foremost. And I wanted to share a little bit about the man that we came across as we were um, handing out these boxes. There was a man that we came up to, and um, we started to put our arms around him and pray, and I got this beautiful picture of us surrounding him with prayer. 
And that's what we are doing with these people is we are surrounding them with prayer when they might not have it anywhere else. So I would just encourage you to, you know, do these ministries because they're amazing and they're a blessing. And I, I want to uh, echo what Pastor Joe said. You know, out of, your, out of the generosity and the kindness of your hearts, putting those boxes of love, gathering that stuff, putting, in, putting it together and bringing it, it allows us an opportunity as a church to go out and share Jesus with the community, and that's what it's all about, right? Not everybody needed, the, needed that box of love, but, but those who didn't encouraged us to give it to someone who did, and, they, and what it did is it allowed us to speak with them in that moment, ask, for, ask them if they needed prayer, and, and, and they did. You know, it, was, it was just an amazing time. So the whole point is... To give them a meal, yes, in the name of Jesus, but to share Jesus with them and, and, and give, them, give them the opportunity, right, to, to, to know this, this Jesus that we so love. So thank you for that. Hi, good morning. I want to echo the same thing. Uh, it was an honor and privilege to go out there and just serve and to talk to people on Thursday morning. And I, too, ran across a couple of families that they said they didn't need the box, but they, they would like the prayer. So that was just amazing to see the real you know, purpose of Thanksgiving for these people to say, no, let someone who needs it more take the box, and, but we, will like, we would like prayer. So that was great. But I did run into one uh, lady. She was a single mother, had twin daughters. I think she said they were 13 years old. And she was just really scared about COVID and everything that's just continuing on. And at first, they were slightly standoff, but you know, why are you knocking on my door at 9 o'clock in the morning on Thanksgiving? But when we explained we were from the Cornerstone Church and, and what we were there to, to give a meal to people who needed it, I'm sure she needed it because she was very gracious and accepted the box and let us pray for her and her daughters. And uh, it was just a great experience. I really encourage anyone who wants to get out there and just get more out of it. I think we always get more ourselves just being the hands and feet of Jesus and the people we're actually serving. But it, it's a great experience. I encourage everyone to do it. God bless. Amen. Amen. It's true. You, you can't not give God, can you? And that was the, the overarching from the team is that, boy, I received so much this Thanksgiving morning than, than I gave. And uh, we had so many of those opportunities. One woman, she says, no, like they mentioned, they go, I don't need it, but you need to go to Unit D. And in Unit D was a, a mailman who was on, um, he was on disability. He couldn't walk. So they couldn't get to church. They couldn't even, and she didn't have a car. She couldn't get around. So they had no food to prepare for their Thanksgiving morning. Their son was autistic. And when we came into some of these homes' doors, tears immediately follow, you know, these, these families that are being ministered to. And it was really great to see the youth engage in praying and seeing God do incredible things. You know, I had a chance, um, I heard of a story, uh, it was on one of the teams where they, they came, and it was, a, I think it was a single mom, and her son or daughter was in the hospital battling COVID. And we ministered to her and prayed with her. And so again, I want to say thank you. I mean, all of us have a part. We're one big team, and you all did an amazing job. So keep praying, keep giving more opportunities. Tomorrow, be praying. We're bringing thanksgiving to all the unassisted minors for the border that we've been ministering to, and that happens tomorrow, so be praying for that. And us also where those snuggle day items. We're going to be doing Christmas with those same youth. We're seeing them come to the Lord on every Zoom call. We're Zooming with them on a monthly basis, so thank you for making that happen, along with our foster um, care outreach. And the next day, we go into the community, if you want to be a part, December the 16th. It's a Thursday, so mark your calendar. You can sign up through the app. You can sign up right there um, any way you can. Come see me, and we're looking forward to seeing God glorified. So well, John, well done, church. God bless you.
His name is Jesus. Name above every name that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Good morning, family. This is a, if you had a, Joe mentioned, do you have a good Thanksgiving? We had a, um, an old-fashioned traditional Thanksgiving. I say old-fashioned no, because our electricity went out for the entire day. And uh, we're one of those neighborhoods that, you know, went out that uh, Thanksgiving. So you realize how much you take for granted and how much you have to have electricity to do. You know, like when you're washing the dishes and uh, you can't turn on the garbage disposal. You know, that, that we have a waterless heat, I mean a, a tankless heater, water heater, so showers were cold and fast. And I, I, we, with our family, the size of our family, we had two turkeys, and I had got them all ready, basted, did the whole thing. I don't cook much, but like turkey's my thing. And, uh, and so I had made them, and they were ready to go in our smoker. And my smoker needs electricity. So early in the morning, I'm planning on a, you know, five, six-hour um, cook, and I don't have my smoker. And so I'm whining. I mean, I really am. I, I, even though last week we started this series called Thanks Living, I'm not thinking, I'm whining. And Carol said, this is going to be in a sermon someday. I said, well, I don't feel inspired right now. So <laughs> maybe. But it worked out, right? It was okay. We were able to make it happen. It was a good Thanksgiving. And a reminder of all the things that we take for granted. God is so good. Well, this morning, I, we're, we're doing our, we've been taking a look at the book of Colossians. And we did start this series called Thanks Living because the book of Colossians really is, I think next to the book of Philippians, the, the book that teaches more about being thankful than any other book. And um, there's some tremendous truth. And this portion of scripture that we're looking at this morning is really, um, it's a crucial portion of scripture. And all the Bible, of course, is inspired by God. But there are these sections, this really tells us about Jesus. And, and really, very concisely, in a small portion here of scripture, it gives us some real insight to the nature of Jesus Christ. So this is, um, you know, where we're headed. I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer. I want to ask for God's help as we do this. Heavenly Father, we come before you. I am so grateful for your word and the opportunity to share your truth this morning. I pray that, Lord, you will help, help all of us to both help me to, to speak, to teach properly, and help us to hear what you would speak to us, Lord, as the Spirit would speak to us, Lord, this morning. We pray. We pray for your help and anointing in Jesus' name. Amen. Colossians, where we, last week we ended in verse 13, and we, we, we read it and commented a little bit on it, but we didn't finish it. So I'm going to go back to the 13th verse of the first chapter, and um, we're, we're really looking at Jesus 
and who he is and, and the nature of Jesus. And that he is supreme above everything else and everyone else. Jesus is supreme. Um, and we le- learned last week that there are the, the culture, the nature of um, kind of the world is, is, is pressing in. And the, he, this young church, Paul is writing this young church, it's new uh, in their faith, fairly new in their faith, and he is trying to help them to understand what, you know, challenges that they face and what could, you know, where things could kind of enter into their thinking that is not biblical, that isn't true. And so he's helping them understand this and kind of giving them a good foundation in their life to build their life on. And so uh, he, in verse 13, it says this, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed or transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. He's delivered us from the power of darkness. Now, in this world, the world is divided. And I know that politics and all kinds of things tries to divide us in a whole, in in different ways, so many ways. But there's really only two divisions, only two ways in which we are truly divided from an eternal standpoint, and that is there's the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God's Son. There's two kingdoms in this world. And the kingdom of darkness, the scripture says that God has delivered us from the power. It is powerful. The kingdom of darkness is very powerful. In fact, controls our life. We can't, we cannot be freed from the kingdom of darkness apart from God's power. The only power that can deliver us from the kingdom of darkness is God's power. And all of us, you know, at some point entered into that kingdom of darkness. We entered in, in fact, at, in life, we, we were born with a nature of sin in our life. All of us, all of us have failed God in some point in our life. We've come We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we were bound. And the the scriptures really give us a picture of that in the Bible where it shows that the kingdom of, there's a kingdom of God and there's a kingdom of darkness. And the only way out of the kingdom of darkness is in fact the power of God. You know, the deliverance in Egypt, when the children of Israel were in Egypt, they were under bondage, they were slaves. And though that is a true story, it is also an allegory for us. It is also a parable for us that as they were bound and they were slaves to Egypt, we were slaves to sin. We were slaves to the kingdom of darkness. And no matter what you do, I know in my own life, I didn't come to Christ until I was 19 years old. So in, in my life, I developed habits and destructive behavior in my life that was very, I mean, I couldn't get out of it. And, excuse me, anything that I did kind of be able to be freed from, it just ended up being something else I, I became more in bondage to. Couldn't do it on my own. It was when I came to Christ that God powerfully 
delivered me from the kingdom of darkness. And that doesn't mean that he made me sinless. Not actually in practice, only in position. I became sinless in Christ. But he powerfully delivered me from the kingdom of darkness. There's only one power that can deliver you from the kingdom of darkness. And that is the power of God in Christ that comes to us through Jesus Christ. So it said he transferred us or conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. So it's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. Now, Jesus, early on in his ministry, um, gave us some insight. In fact, I mentioned last week that if you're to describe the message of Jesus, what was the one thing Jesus talked about more than anything else? And you would think, well, maybe it was love, and maybe it was forgiveness, or maybe it was his power, what have you. No, the number one thing was the kingdom of God, number one. More than anything else, he talked about the kingdom of God over 100 times in the Gospels. And yet, when we think about Jesus and what he taught, oftentimes we just pass over that. We don't realize that that is a central message. In fact, for the disciples, they went out preaching the gospel of the kingdom. That's what they did. They preached the gospel of the kingdom. That's the good news, which is the means of salvation in Jesus Christ. But that is the message. When Jesus came on the scene, um, early on in the book of John, a very, very, very familiar portion of Scripture, it's where, you know, where you hear the story, John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. It's in that section. There was a man that came to him. It says in in, uh, in John 3, 1, it says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And this is what Jesus' response was. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay, he says you have to be born again. And we, we, use, we, we talk about that. An individual has to be born again to be saved. That's true. That's, not, that's, that's a true statement. To be born again means that you're born of spirit. And the, that means the Holy Spirit comes into you when you believe, put your faith in the shed blood of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, when you put your faith in, in that, God's spirit comes in you, you become united with God, you're born again. But he's not saying, actually, he doesn't use the word saved here. It, it's true. But what he uses is the word you cannot, everyone say see. See. Notice that. You cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus, in fact, said that the kingdom of God does not come by observation. You don't, you can't be just looking around and go, oh, there's a kingdom and there's a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of God. You can't do that on your own. Human, human, uh, you know, uh, abilities are missing in this. And so the world does not see the way the world really is. It cannot. 
because unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. It's invisible to individuals who have not been born again. Their view of the world is completely different. But once you become a follower of Jesus, once the Holy Spirit has come in you, then you start to see the world as it truly is, that there is a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of God's Son. Those, that is, in fact, the kingdom. I know that when I was born again, when I first got saved, it seemed like the, all of a sudden I could see the world differently. I, everything, it started to make sense to me. Why is this world made by God ha- such a mess? Why is there so much evil in this world? And all of a sudden, it became clear to me the reason for that, and it was like I was driving home the, from when I got saved. I just got saved, I'm driving home, and these are the thoughts that were going through my mind. I see it. I'd never seen it before. Now, I don't think it happens to everyone the same way, but I did for me. All of a sudden, I realized, I mean, I thought, no wonder this world's a mess. It's under the kingdom of darkness. And, and the kingdom of God, this is how it's, it, it, it's put. In fact, there's a, a, a book years ago um, that kind of cha- helped, cha- helped uh, solidify my thinking on this in the Bible. And it's by a man named George Eldon Ladd. George Eldon Ladd, uh, he had a book called The Presence of the Future. And he talks about the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is both present and future. The kingdom of God is now. Jesus said this. In fact, the Bible says he went around uh, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Remember John the Baptist, when Jesus was coming, he said, he preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is at hand. In fact, both of those terms are used, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, he says, is at hand. What's at hand? Well, it's close. He's saying it's right here. He was saying the kingdom of God is at hand because it was coming in Jesus. See, John the Baptist was preaching that. Kingdom of God is near. It's at hand. Now, I said kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. In the book of Matthew, it uses the term kingdom of heaven. Mark and Luke and John use the the terminology kingdom of God. They're the same. In fact, you'll see the same words used and just the word heaven replaced for God. Because Matthew was written to Jews, and Jews wouldn't mention God. They would, they would say Lord, but they wouldn't mention God or Elohim. They wouldn't mention, mention God that way. They would just mention the Lord. And so the kingdom of God, they wouldn't pronounce it. So the writer, of, so as Matthew's writing to Jews, instead of saying kingdom of God, he says kingdom of heaven. Sometimes we'll, you know, people will do that too also, right? In fact, instead of saying thank God, they'll say thank heaven or thank goodness. And it's kind of a euphemism for, you know, for God in that way. Uh, so you understand they're the same. If it says kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God, you're saying the same thing. So he says what we see is this whole I, like I said, there's over a hundred times Jesus uses this in the Gospels alone, the kingdom. And, and if you don't think kingdom-wise, you're kind of missing it because he talks a lot about it. He, he said something like this. He said, unless 
unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will no, by no means enter the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Unless, you, you're, unless your righteousness exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, they were looked on as being the most righteous of all, right? If you saw a scribe or a Pharisee, those are people that are really dedicated. Those are religious fanatics at the highest level. And Jesus says, if, you're not, if your righteousness doesn't exceed that, you can't get in, right? Now, what we find out is there is a way of having your righteousness exceed that. And it isn't by the works that you do. It's, by, it's, it's actually because Jesus made a trade. He made a trade, our unrighteousness for his righteousness. And that's what being born again is. And that's what being saved is all about. His righteousness becomes our righteousness when we accept him. The Holy Spirit comes in, in us and we become one with him. And our righteousness is his righteousness. And that exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. But notice he says... You can't enter in. Now, entering into the kingdom is not a future thing. You, some some th think that that's just, the kingdom is something future. No, it's present and future. It's now. The kingdom of God is present now. The kingdom of God is at hand now. And as, it's, as Jesus taught us to pray, right, one of the the, the the, not the repetitive prayer, it's not, it, it's the, the, the elements of prayer are found in the Lord's Prayer. And one of the things he teaches to pray is your kingdom, what? Come. Pray your kingdom, come. What are we praying? Are we praying for his kingdom to come in the future? Or are we praying your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's, it's not, this is not a future, distant, someday bring your kingdom here. That is your will be done because that's what the kingdom is. It's the will of God being done on earth as it is in heaven. In the same way it's done on earth, it is to be done, I'm same way it's done in heaven, it's to be done on earth. And in my sphere, here's the kingdom. Because the kingdom is a realm with a king. And so, where you are, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, if you are, in fact, born again, wherever you are, the kingdom is. And here's the thing about the kingdom. The kingdom is supposed to be being established on earth as it is in heaven. And so, as you live out your kingdom life. You're expanding the kingdom. The kingdom is growing. It's like a mustard seed that grows. It's a, it's a, it's a, it keeps expanding because we're here in order to expand the kingdom. See, I've said this before. The church has for way too long been on the defense. You know, Corey's all, oh, no, you know, it's kind of like this. Oh, be, be careful. Let's not, don't let the world in the church. Man, the world's trying to get into church. Don't let the world in the church. Of course not. We don't. But that's not, that's not what the message is. The message is let's get in the world and change the world. 
That's the message. We're not on the defense, we're on the offense. And whenever, in fact, Jesus said it this way, that it's like a strong man, like, like we're, we're the strong man, and we go in and we bind the, the master of the house and take his goods. In other words, as followers of Christ, we're legalized thieves. And, and our job is to steal the kingdom of darkness is goods. Because, see, the enemy is not the people in darkness. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not the people in darkness. They're not the enemy. They're the treasures that God loves, that God created in his own image, that we get to participate in stealing them from the kingdom of darkness, which is enslave them and and bring them into the kingdom of God's dear son. That's what we get to do. We get to participate. And so you're either on one side or the other. You're either in the kingdom of God or you're in the kingdom of darkness. And if you're in the kingdom of darkness, you don't see the kingdom of God. It's impossible for you to understand or see it. You don't see it. But in the meantime, though you're unaware, what you are is you have, in fact, sided with the kingdom of darkness. You sided with. Jesus said, if you're not with me, you're against me. Right? So you, you're only on one side or the other. You're either on his side or against him. And even if you don't know that you're against him, you're against him. Because what you're doing in the kingdom of darkness is pushing back against the kingdom of God's dear son. And... We had, uh, we, we had a couple um, come this morning in fir- first service, and they were standing out there, and they were obviously anti-Christian, and uh, they, they, had their, they had video cameras, and they were videoing people as they came in and trying to intimidate, and, uh, and standing on the sidewalk, we couldn't do anything about it, and um, obviously bound, and, and one of our one of our leaders went out there, invited them to church, says, you can come in. You can't video, but we'd love to have you come. Jesus loves you. And they said, well, we don't love you, and, uh, which is fine. He said, well, even if you don't, I still love you, and, uh, and Jesus loves you. So, and I thought, hey, we've arrived. <laughs> They've come to our church to say, you know, Poor Chuck Smith at Calvary Chapel used to get this all the time. He'd have people out there from all over, you know. And I said, we, we've, we've, we've kind of, you know, they, we're on the radar. <laughs> That's a good thing. Maybe we're doing something right, right? But the point simply is this. There is always going to be the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God's dear son until Jesus comes and wipes away the kingdom of darkness. You know, things like this. The Bible says, seek first. You, you, are you ahead of me? Some of you are ahead of me. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added to you. He was talking to those who would be concerned about not having what is needed, and Jesus says, this is what you do. You seek first the kingdom of God. What is that? That's the realm 
of God where the will of God is being done. You seek the will of God and his righteousness, not your own righteousness, his righteousness, and then all these other things are added unto you. That's, that's the, the, the gift that God has given us as we learn about the kingdom. Jesus talked about the kingdom in so many different ways. The Bible says he went into all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the, the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. He, in fact, he said, if, if, if I cast out Satan, the kingdom of God, has come to you. Why? Because Satan's being cast out, and there is this conflict between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan and his, his, his cohorts. And, and there's, a constant, there, there's a constant battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And so when you... As Jesus did, he cast out demons. He was attacking the kingdom of darkness. You see? He was, he was pushing the kingdom. He's, he's, he's casting de- demonic spirits out, delivering them, bringing them into the kingdom. And that's what Jesus came to do, and that's what we're supposed to be doing. So until Jesus comes back and sets up his kingdom, that's the ultimate part of the kingdom of God coming when he comes back and kicks you know uh, the, the, the devil and is cast into the pit and we and, and God establishes his kingdom on earth which I think is something that is going to happen soon but until that happens this is what we're supposed to be doing we're supposed to be establishing the kingdom wherever we go you're supposed to be establishing the kingdom in your your neighborhood. You're supposed to be establishing the kingdom in your school. You're supposed to be establishing the kingdom, you know, in your workplace. Wherever you go, understand the kingdom of God is with you because you are part of the kingdom of God. And this is how it works. Light. See, darkness doesn't overcome light. Light always overcomes darkness. So that's why we're not on the defense. Oh, I just got to be careful because the devil's going to you know, attack me and be fearful that I, you know, I don't let the world in. No, why don't you just take a different attitude? I establish in the light, I'm going to push back darkness. And I can do that in prayer. I can do that with the principle, the, key, the keys of the kingdom. That's one of the things Jesus said about the kingdom the kingdom. He says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, right? Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. He says, I'm giving you keys. And there's principles of the kingdom so that you can bind and loose things that are on earth that need to be bound and need to be loose on earth. You lose people from their bondages and, their, and so forth. Oftentimes we do that in prayer. One of, the, one of the keys is prayer. One of the key, you know, we've talked about this in our deeper courses. We, can't, we spend a whole time doing it, but um, there are principles of, of kingdom keys. Fasting in prayer is a tool that is used and, and so forth. Using the, the, the principles of the promises of God, speaking them in faith, those are key, keys to the kingdom. These, there's so many keys that God has given us, at least seven that are clear, and probably more than that, but that, that God has given us in the kingdom 
to what? Establish the kingdom wherever we are. And that's, that's, what, that's what the Lord has done for us. In Romans 14, 17 says, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's that you see the, the, you see the, the qualities of the kingdom there. And um, in, in 1 Corinthians 4.20, it says the kingdom of God is not word, but in power. There's power. It's not just, not just talk. It's power. The kingdom of God is in power. Then Revelation 11.15, it, it, it says... Um, and this, the seventh trumpet is, is blown. It says, There's a, there are loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever. That's the ultimate kingdom that comes when Jesus comes and establishes it fully on earth. That's, that's where we're headed in this. But don't forget where you are. And I, 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 I keep pressing in on this. I am absolutely convinced that the church has all this power and doesn't know it. it. I believe that. I believe you. I believe that most people sit, you know, come to church, does not, they do not understand what potential they have in God. And that's not just to build you up. It's not just a, you know, make you feel good kind of thing. It's a reality that I believe is hindering the body of Christ throughout the world. The body of Christ should be way further than it is. But most of the reason why is because we have not learned our potential in Christ. And when you see and you see the kingdom like this, you understand and what you've, you see what's going on, then maybe we'll be a little bit more like Paul. See, Paul's writing this book from prison, right? And he, in prison, is not down. I mean, he has challenges he has to face in prison, but he's kind of proud of it. He sees being in prison as simply the natural response of him establishing the kingdom. He sees that he's, he's, he's in fact, been stealing the kingdom of darkness's treasures, and as he's stealing all these treasures, of course, the kingdom of darkness doesn't like it and is going to do everything it can to kind of slow him down, but he doesn't care. See, that's when the church is invincible, when it understands the, 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 the kingdom of God and what that is about and understands that there's nothing that the kingdom of darkness can do to us that is permanent. That's why Jesus said, hey, don't worry about those who can kill the body, who can kill your soul. He says, don't worry about those who can kill the body but can't kill the soul. Be concerned about the ones that can kill the soul and the body. Don't, don't, you know, in other words, God. He says, don't worry about that. See, for, for Paul and for Christians throughout history, death itself, persecution that would even end in death, martyrdom, was something that they had strength to stand up against. If you have an army that do, is not afraid of dying and is not afraid of imprisonment, then you have an army that, is, that cannot be defeated. And that's the army that Jesus is growing. An army of people 
who, who sneer in the face of death, like Paul who says, oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory? That, that looks at death and says, I'm not worried about death because death is just the beginning for me. An army like that cannot be defeated. And so we go, well, how, how do you get there? Well, you, you get there by just living out your life every day in the kingdom. Lord, let your will be done on earth in my realm, in my life, as it is in heaven. Say, will that do it? Because I'm kind of afraid of dying. Well, here's the thing. Because people, can I get ready to become a martyr? I don't know how you can do that. Because I don't think the power to face those things come until you need it. You see? And we hear stories, we've been hearing stories, for instance, in Afghanistan, when this all came down, Christians in Afghanistan who were, in fact, going in, there were were missionaries going into Afghanistan when all this was coming down to, and knowing that there's a good potential that they would not be able to come out of this alive. There were Christians who were staying in Afghanistan who could have gotten out. And this is a story that is true throughout, throughout history. They were getting, that had, had the ability to get out but didn't take it because they wanted to stay there and share the gospel. They wanted to be the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, even though they knew it was going to cost them their life. How they get there? They got there when they needed it. God was there when they needed it, and that's how it works. You might not be ever think you're read, ever ready for that, but when the time comes, you're not to worry about it. You're just to live your life in the light, and if that time would ever come to you, don't worry, your faith will be there. You just trust God. God will be there for you. God, God will help you in that time when it's time as you're just learning to live with God each and every day. And so... Anyhow, let's, let's move on because this kingdom principle goes throughout this, the, the, this entire book. And what we want to learn is we want to learn how to live out kingdom life. But this is right now is about Jesus. I remember a few years back, um, this person just started coming to the church and uh, and came up to me after being here just a few weeks and said, boy, you guys sure talk about Jesus a lot. <laughs> yeah, kind of. We talk about Jesus. That, that, seems to be, that seems to be the message, you know, <laughs> because it's about who he is, about who Jesus is. Now, look, look what it says in, in uh, Colossians 1.14. And whom we have redemption through his blood. How do we have redemption? Through his blood. What Paul's doing here is he wants to eliminate, absolutely destroy any idea that there's any other way into the kingdom of God except through the blood of Jesus Christ. Any other way. There's no other way but Jesus. And there are those who believe there's other ways. In fact, that message has always been around. It's not new. 
You know, today you'll hear people say, well, you know what, all religions kind of lead to the same place. And, you know, we can't just believe that there's only one way to God and, and all of that. That's not new. That was back then, too. In fact, the Roman Empire had all kinds of gods. The Grecian Empire had all kinds of gods. And besides, they had, you know, they had Caesar worship. And they had all of that. That's, that's all part. That, in fact, that was what cost many Christians' lives in the early church is because they believed that Jesus was and is the only way of salvation. And it cost them their lives because, they, because, because what a lot of these groups would like to do is just make Jesus another one of their gods. That's what the Hindus do, right? Buddhists, those who have, you know, a certain segment of, of Buddhism will do that as well, where they'll, they just have a bunch of gods and they'll just, Jesus is just another one, you see? Or what you do have is, see, everyone wants a piece of Jesus. You know, yeah. in fact, there was a, 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 a campaign among the Muslims here a few years ago in different parts of the country and, and they were putting up posters that says um, we believe in Jesus too because Muslims do believe in a Jesus not the Jesus and they believe that there is there was a Jesus he's not the son of God he didn't die for the sins of the world but Paul is making it real clear right here right he says it was his blood and his blood alone. See, we, we, were, we were saved by, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. That's the only way. It's his blood. He is the image. It's the exact replica of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And when it says firstborn, um, unfortunately, that's a term we have translated into meaning someone that's birthed. That's not what this is. This is a position. The firstborn in a family was the position of preeminence for the family, that the firstborn would be the one who would take over when the parent passed away, be the one who would receive double the blessing and so forth and have responsibility in the family. So when he's using the word firstborn, he's using it in that, that term that he has preeminence. But then he, he makes sure that you don't get the wrong idea on that because he it's, it's also says, for by him all things were created that, that are in heaven and earth, uh, visible and invisible. So this is the creator he's saying, Jesus. In, in John 14, 8, Philip, Jesus was telling him about, you know, the way and, and that he's the way, truth, and life, and so forth. And Philip says, asked this question, said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's sufficient for us. We, we would like to see the Father. Could we see the Father, Jesus? And Jesus' response is this. He said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet... You have not known me, Philip? I mean, I've been with you. Don't you get it? You have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. And how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you understand? 
The Father and I are one. That's, that's who the Father and I are. When you see me, you see the Father. That this is the preeminent one. This is the one that created all things. See, Paul is trying to end all this false teaching and ideas that get circled all around. For not just them, not for that, just that generation, but for this generation. This generation. There, there are people being sucked into deceptive heresies today that, that are buying into this universalist idea of salvation that, and this idea that Jesus, well, he was a good man, he was a good prophet, he was a good person, but he's not the only way of salvation. That he could, couldn't be. How could he be? How could he be God? He's a man. And, and Paul is saying, no, no, this is the Messiah. This is the one that God talked about from, from, from eons about. This is the one from the beginning said would come. And this one who, come, who he said would come is actually God with us. He says, for all things were created, all things, ex nihilo. In other words, he create, the, the way he created was, in fact, from nothing. God created something from nothing because nothing never produces something. I'm going to say that again. Nothing never produces something. That, that should answer a lot of questions for you, right? Because that's actually what the idea of all this without God is. There was nothing, and then there was something. Because nothing creates something. And anyone that believes that, I have a bridge I want to sell you. God created all things, and not when we say God created all things, understand we're talking about Jesus. There are, he says, for in him all things were, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and earth, visible and invisible. That means the whole spiritual dimension, everything, thrones and dominions and principalities and powers, all things, say all, all things were created through him and for him. John says it this way, John 1, 3, all things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. If anything was made, it was made by him. And so, if Jesus was made, he had to have made himself. He wasn't made, he's eternal, always. And, before, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. You're held together by Jesus. Say, well, what does that mean about the Father? Yeah, him too. What about the Spirit? Yes, they're one. Explain that. No. Can't. 
No, it's true. No, it's scriptural. That's what the Bible teaches us. We just have a hard time grasping it, getting our mind around that. But Jesus, when he was on earth, also held all things. He had given up his godly prerogatives, laid them aside, Philippians 2 says, and was fully God at the same time and fully man. So he could be the redeemer of mankind. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. Now, when it says firstborn from the dead, that doesn't mean he was the first one who rose from the dead, right? That's what I mean by firstborn, understanding that principle. It means he has preeminence over those who rise from the dead. That means me and you. And that's where our security comes. If someone dies in Christ, how do you know How do you know anything about what happens? Well, our Lord conquered death. See, he he rose from the dead. And the scripture says that the same power that rose Christ from the dead dwells in your mortal body. You also will rise from the dead by the same power that rose Christ from the dead. That's the Holy Spirit in you. Rose Christ from the dead will rise, you will rise from the dead. You will conquer death. And, and, and in the meantime, to be absent from the body because you are meant for heaven because of Jesus, to be absent to, from the body is to be present with the Lord. Until the resurrection day of your body, you will be soul spirit in heaven with God. That's what Jesus has secured for us and That's why Jesus is preeminent over death. He is the firstborn of the dead. He rose from the dead, but not the first person, first in preeminence over death. He made that available to us because he died for us. That's the message of this great book, the message of Jesus Christ, the one who is above, the name that is above every name that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess. It's a, that's the foundation. Well, I know this is basics, but unfortunately, unfortunately in this world, we have to repeat the basics because there are so many who don't get the basics. In fact, ask, there was a study done not that long ago that asked people who said they were born-again Christians if they believed that Jesus was the only way of salvation. And the number was astronomical. I don't know if I believe the number fully. I don't know how it was, but I believe it's definitely the case. The percentages were over 50% that said, these were young people. I'm not talking about children, but young adults who were asked this question, And their answer was, they did not believe that Jesus was the only means of salvation. Now, what happened? Well, they've gotten a philosophy in their brain from somewhere contrary to what has been revealed to us in the scriptures and in Christ. If Jesus is not the only means of salvation, if you can come through other belief systems, then why did he die for us? Why go through all that? And then, why did he send out his disciples to go share the message if it's not necessary? 
Why, why give up all you have and go to the mission field to preach the gospel? Why did all his disciples, you know, end up being martyrs? Unless they knew something because they, lived, they were with Jesus that maybe the world doesn't understand because when you're in darkness, you can't understand the kingdom of God. Only born again can see the kingdom. And this false view that the kingdom of darkness wants to perpetuate, why not? The kingdom of darkness is out to steal, kill, and destroy. It, it wants to perpetrate this lie, this deception, because then you don't need Jesus. Church, we are evangelical. You know what that means? We believe that, that Jesus is the only way and that our message, first and foremost, is salvation through Jesus Christ. That is our message. That's who we are. Do we do good things? You saw, you saw people standing up here telling us about the wonderful things that we try to do. But remember, behind all of that, we want to help people. We care about people. We want to feed people. We want to do whatever we can to help people. That's all part of, of the, the message or, or the messenger's responsibility of the gospel. But this is the message. Jesus died for your sins. He was buried and rose again. So, Father, we just thank you. Today, we choose to follow you, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus, I surrender afresh to you today. We say your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, if you agree with that, would you say amen? Amen. amen. Lord, we just agree that God, your kingdom come. I pray for anyone that's listening today, if they're away from you, today would be their day. Whether, whether you've never received Christ or if you have but you've fallen away from the Lord, listen, it's not an accident. Today is your day. Today is the day that you return to Jesus. Today is the day that you come to Jesus. You receive him as your Savior. You say, Jesus, come into my life. I believe you died for my sin, that you were buried. You rose again. I choose you, Jesus. I ask you to cleanse my soul. I follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's close and lift our hearts to the Lord. Ooh.
have a gift for you at the info booth. Um, and then we also have uh, Meet the Pastors um, through these double doors over here if you'd like to meet the pastors. Um, we hope you have a great Sunday, and we'll see you on Wednesday.